Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast, where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various roles and haunted gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about the circus. Dun, 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 dun. So, circuses are just a ancient form of entertainment available to people, and something that actually has quite a significant place in D&D. So, Nathan, what is a circus? Animal abuse, but fun. (laughs) Unfortunately, I can't exactly argue against that, but that's technically partially accurate. But... Technically speaking, a circus is just a group of people who put on just a bunch of different entertaining acts together to just entertain a crowd. So instead of it just being just a single individual who can just do something cool, a circus is just meant to be a group of people together who can put on a bigger show through cooperation. So that just aspect of cooperation is one of the nice parts of the history of circus that it is a group who historically speaking will just take in anyone who is able to do anything just either entertaining or useful so from the D standpoint where can a circus be useful for dungeons and dragons so what i think about circuses is the main thing is that it's a form of entertainment something that we don't really have so much nowadays like it's not as big a thing because we have all these modern stuff like you know magic cubes that show us magic things which we don't have um naturally (laughs) like without the modern tech so the main thing that circuses are is a form of entertainment and This brings a couple of questions. If there are circuses, what is the state of your world's entertainment? Is does the average person make enough in terms of food or money to have enough left to be like, I'm free right now. Instead of just twiddling my thumbs, I'm going to expend some of my hard-earned cash and money and look at a couple elephants walk around the circle while someone whips them. You know okay when was the last time you went to a circus they don't actually like really on stage in my world everyone gets hit (laughs) right right amazing everything's terrible of course (laughs) anyway uh quick tangent though uh if you have listened to our previous episode talking about gold i've done the math and it does turn out that a regular just person in D&D world should have some amount of pocket money. And another thing that just all Dungeon Masters should think about more is entertainment in their worlds. What is just the entertainment available? Because in like a lower magic world, there's not necessarily going to be a whole lot to do. How high even is the literacy rate in your world to be able to even get entertainment through reading? You know, are plays more of things? So is that part of why bards are so popular? So in a high, high magic world, to go to the other extreme, do you have like, you know, 
household scrying mirrors that are basically a magical TV. Like, where is the level of entertainment in your world? But with all that being said, the circus is a massive event in the real world because it is a gathering of extraordinary people and creatures doing extraordinary things that the average person does not get to see on a regular basis. And in a Dungeons and Dragons world, that is that much more extraordinary. So in a Dungeons and Dragons world, you can take all of the more classic type of circus acts and just crank it up. So, you know, the classic acts would be stuff like the lion tamer. So in a D&D world, there are so much more interesting, scary creatures than a lion. The dragon tamer. Maybe. I tame dragons. And there's just like a drake that they, they, <laughs> they just have. I mean, to be fair, even if it is just a drake tamer, a drake is a massive creature compared to what anyone in a city would typically see in their lifetime. So even if it is just a drake tamer, that is amazing to see. If you actually do have such a creature able to just like do tricks and just interact with the tamer in some way or to just like ride a drake just around the ring, that's pretty freaking cool. On the other hand, if you did actually manage to have a freaking dragon, that would be quite something as well. Because depending on your world, like a dragon by the book is a fully sentient creature. Like even just from hatching, like dragons have a genetic memory, basically, that allows them to be fully sentient immediately. So you can have just like a baby dragon that just decides or just stumbles into a circus of like, oh, this is actually a very good way to start building my horde. I can actually make a lot of money without actually doing a lot of effort. Plus, these guys hey. will pay for massive amounts of food for me. So I don't even I have to do like that. I can see like a plot forming where it's like, daddy has been taking more and more of my coin. It's my coin. And then someday it just tips over and it's like, I'm gonna kill dad. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'd even kind of be more interested in the aftermath. If you have like a dragon that is becoming a young dragon and has that like more, you know, teenage rebellion kind of phase going, <laughs> like imagine how cool it would be if there was a dragon, even just a young dragon with just a massive top hat as the fucking ringleader of a circus. That would be something to see. <laughs> because, again, that's one of the amazing things about Dungeons and Dragons is that there are so many more sentient creatures available than just people. So you can have there be, like, imagine just a dragon led circus. Because then, if you have a dragon in charge, a lot of people would just leave that alone to not fuck with them because their boss is a fucking dragon. And then, not to mention just the idea of, okay, if you need to get creatures, to like populate a circus for entertainment's sake it's a lot easier if you've got a dragon on your side but uh actually quick tangent about that though one of the classic uses of a circus in DD is that the adventuring party is responsible for the collection of creatures for the circus whether that is like a creature that has escaped or just the capture of some neat thing for the sake of a circus and the reason that's classic is because that's so cool a thing to do because it creates an extra challenge for a party of adventurers because they are required to take that creature alive 
And just imagine how hard it would be to try to take down something like an owl bear alive and transport it, you know, dozens or hundreds of miles to the place. Or we could go with one of those kind of jokey quests where, where the party is like, okay, you need to find that the, the, the dragon and then you, you go off to find the dragon and some dude is wearing a costume and crying by the river and then you're like, wait. But that that looks like the dragon, and you can walk up to him, and it's like, mate, um, why why are you crying? And it's like, I've been stuck there for years. I, I was I was dressing up for my son's birthday party, and and they mistook me for the real thing. And it's like that that does look pretty accurate, though. It's like, the, the, the magic stuff, okay? I, I just want to go home and see my kid. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you do also consider the implications of, you know, the various charm spells that do exist in D&D, a spell like geese that could just put a binding on someone to act in a certain way, magical contracts, if you do incorporate that to more than just fiends having such available, there's a lot of ways to do some kind of terrible things in terms of just locking someone into some form of magical bargaining. And... That is kind of the darker or a darker side, because there are a few of circuses, is the fact that a lot of people who do join a circus do so because they do have nowhere else to go. And if you as a DM want to explore that angle of things, there are certainly ways that you could do so. So even if it was, you know, something like the geese spell, then maybe they some they find that okay, the geese that's on them prevents them from talking about the deal that they're stuck under, but maybe they figure out the loophole of, you know, maybe they can write it down, but they couldn't speak about it. So they send a letter off to an adventuring guild to try to get help and to say that if they, you know, help them kill the boss, then they're welcome to the, you know, entire wealth accumulated by, like, the owner of the circus if they, you know, kill him or help break the spell or some such. Like, it's very flexible in how you can even just have the goal of such a thing. So, even besides that, so let me backtrack a little more just to the plus side of circuses, which is just the sheer entertainment value of them. In D&D, you also have spells like Alter Self. You have True Polymorph, potentially, if you, you know, really got to high-level person who just is so bored that they just end up making a circus, for example. Like, a circus just made by a wizard who is so strong as to cast true polymorph has a lot potentially available to them because true polymorph can just make living creatures that are up to a challenge rating 9, which is quite powerful in all honesty. So... If you then just have this high-level circus guy, you can just have all of these just amazing creatures that are just literally made from nothing by this powerful magic user. And then if a party were to ever discover that fact, like, how would that even count morally? Because would they be considered slaves, considering that they were made from nothing for that purpose and just don't know any other life? Or is it considered that a good thing because he created these creatures with a purpose to entertain the masses? Like there's a massive potential just morality debate available for such a thing. And that could be a really interesting thing to explore also. But you also have another spell that we just talked about on Tuesday, Awaken. Awaken gives the ability to make a beast or plant 
sentient. And part of just the danger of a circus is in animals that do turn on the tamer, because a lot of the time the captured creatures are just wild beasts that have been captured at a circus. But if you have sentience granted to them, maybe you'd have like a druid who works for the circus with a staff of the woodlands, which is able to regularly grant sentience to things. Like, do you suddenly have like a dancing troupe of awakened trees? That would be a hell of a thing to watch as a show. Like, I myself would be very curious to watch that. Like, if you watch a creature with non-standard limbs dancing, I have no idea what that would look like, and I'd be intrigued, to say the least. You know, if you do have that granted to, you know, various beasts, then you can have, like, these just very scary-looking creatures, and they could, you know, put on the show of being, you know, these scary, intimidating things, but, you know, you then just have, you know, just a group of a dozen tigers just in a massive cat cuddle pile in the back because, you know, they're all sentient and just tame cats because awaken. Uh, on the other hand, you, if you do have a druid, then the druid themselves can just turn into things. And depending on what type of druid, like if you had a druid of the moon, for example, they're able to turn into stronger creatures and even freaking elementals if they're of sufficient strength. So if you can just have like like imagine the reaction if you just had a fucking earth elemental in the middle of just an arena that was just like juggling or some such just that is not something that you'd see every day or imagine like an obstacle course that a fire elemental has to like burn their way through certain parts and then it's just like a race to see like will the spreading fire you know set, like ignite you know, the attractive assistant before they're able to get through the maze themselves. Or you can have like magical escape artists. There are so many just different acts that are would be available for a circus, thanks to the existence of DD magic. And even if it's not a particularly high magic world, you do have, you know, spells like Alter Self, where you can have someone, you know, transformed into the, you know, aquatic form, for example, which, you know, lets them breathe water for that finite amount of time. So then you can have like the Houdini style escape artists where they're just trying to get through. There's so, uh, there's just so much that magic can make available to take the classic circus axe and turn it up to 11 uh, or another one. Like you've got the classic clown car, but D&D has got extra dimensional spaces, you know, the bag of holding and such. So imagine if you have just like this tiny cart that just gets like wheeled in and you just have it be like a one foot by one foot square box that, you know, just gets put in the middle. And then you just have 50 clowns just suddenly jump out of this thing and just to just start putting out, you know, putting on various, you know, clowns. That's acts. fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but you get the point, though, like magic makes so much possible, like or you could go for the more kind of old west angle like there used to be the whole you know trick shot competitions i mean hell trick shot competitions are still a massive thing in the u.s at least i honestly don't know about internationally but like even back to you know 1800s and such in the old west that was such a thing like with annie oakley and that whole era where you just have these people able to pull off 
crazy shots. So, I mean, actually, even if you go back to, uh, you know, Robin Hood in movies, they do a similar thing where you see someone who tries to like split an arrow with an arrow on their second shot in the bullseye. So doing that with magic or just with, you know, ridiculously talented archers, imagine like a trick shot competition with actually going back to our sniping episode. If you go back to like, 600 feet away to try to find okay you just have these you know competitive archers and you know come one come all anyone come on down if you can beat the greatest shot in the world and just to have there be just with magic with arrows you know having there be ricochets or obstacles or you know creatures like maybe there's a thing where you you know you mention elephants as an iconic part of the circus and they definitely are imagine if you have like an elephant with a steel plate just just held on its side just just for the fuck it why not aspect and you have to like ricochet an arrow off of the steel plate on this elephant, ricochet off of this other thing to try to hit a target that's on fire, because why not? Um, like, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. <sighs> I, I thought you'd shoot the elephant and, and, and then just die. Be... <sighs> All right. You know what? <laughs> the argument could be made that in a world that does have accessible resurrection magic, that you could even have it be, you know the more gladiatorial angle of things where you have there be an act of like man versus beast and you have this just insane fight of just like <laughs> this uh just you know huge barbarian type figure fighting against you know a saber-toothed tiger or some such and it could be especially if you do have awaken as well then you know have it be like a choreographed thing where they're just fighting it out to the death on stage but you know the people just don't know the fact that whoever loses would, afterwards gets resurrected no no the cool thing is that with those kinds of things you could just do like especially in such a world you could do just, just crazy things like you have a gnome fighting a a a, a, a like as you said like a saber-toothed tiger or like a direwolf something like that and just have this oh, tiny boy. guy go no, at it the world's strongest gnome world's strongest gnome like imagine if you did just have like oh, a gnome with 20 strength and of course like you know they're walking around with that their shirt on of course and so it's just this like massively oh, ripped baller? gnome so they're you know you know standing at two foot three inches tall weighing in a at a massive strength. 37 pounds the world's strongest gnome the ground stutters <laughs> And just yeah, could you imagine like having that kind of bestial fight against like the world's strongest gnome and you just see this just ripped gnome just like charging into combat and just like trying to jump onto the thing to choke it out? Oh, that'd be amazing. Honestly, I'll watch that. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're just making my point. Like, there's so much just stuff available just through the D&D world, even using like the classic circus axe to just put that D&D twist on it. Like also you know, D&D has actual flight available in lots of different ways. So imagine if you had, like, instead of a trapeze act, because, like, debatably, trapeze would not be quite as interesting in a world where flying exists. But instead, imagine an actual, like, flying obstacle course where you have, you know, boots of flying or some such, or, you know, even flying brooms, where you do just have this kind of obstacle course that they have to get through. And... You know, of course, you have to involve fire in some way. So maybe there's like 
some timer that is like the rope it's like there's a rope on fire and that if they don't get through each obstacle on time then it might you know have the rope fall which swings a blade back and forth on the trap you know so have use like trap mechanics like so you have like the classic you know guillotine kind of swinging blade or you have like the mario style giant stone like when you have magic available you can just make a thwomp like in a DD world so you then have this just giant stone that just constantly boom boom just up and down just thumping down and you have this just being who is trying to fly through and has to try to get through all of these obstacles that'd be an amazing thing to watch support for this podcast and the following message come from corient corient provides wealth management services centered around you they focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully preserve their wealth and provide for the people causes and communities they care about as one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> um, so i actually just uh, you know just to let you all know i've actually i've got a uh, history.com article up showing like some of the classic circus acts which is what i'm kind of riffing off of for the sake of this and just another one that just caught my attention the human projectile so the classic example of like a person getting shot out of a cannon and you know getting up and being okay like that can also just get taken to the extreme for the sake of D&D. So if you just had either catapult or just, we've discussed before my issue with terminal velocity in D&D. So imagine if you just have a person who just like at the start of the show, they just start fl- like get on a platform or a flying carpet or some such and just go up and up and up and up and up until they're out of sight. Then just at the end of the show, you just have there be just a quiet and you just see this the person who went up at the start just go from just free fall at terminal velocity into the center arena you know maybe even just mix it and have like the tiny pool like you've also you know seen classically for a circus and then just have there be just this massive explosion of dust and such when they hit the ground because Terminal velocity is actually relatively easily survivable in D&D, but for adventurers, that's the case. For normal people, not so much. So if you just see this terminal velocity person just crash through the area and just make this, you know, massive crater, you know, potentially made more massive if you did just, you know, cheat things and have there be some, uh, 
you know, alchemical fire or something to just blow up and just make a bigger crater. Like, that would be a cool thing to see. Just like watching someone fall from some massive height and then just get back up and cheer. That'd be really fucking cool. <laughs> so I'm curious, is there just any kind of circus thing that you've come across just through what you've seen in the past or just read about that you think would also just do with a good D&D twist? So uh, you, you were talking about the tra trapeze and how that w wouldn't be so interesting without flying, and I, I, I don't agree because it's still a, a particular feat that isn't quite the same thing. But I can see how you could do something like that um, but to like a more, there's a lot of things that don't seem as dangerous if you have magic because like fire is just like okay, like it's fired. I know it's cool, but it's not all that dangerous. It's only so much. So like I, I certainly see that there can be a lot of things where you simply would be able to do more in terms of ridiculous sorts of feats like not even circus stuff but you know that kind of stuff like oh i'm in a barrel i'm gonna throw myself off this waterfall it's gonna be amazing <laughs> <laughs> it's like no that's dumb how about this me and three other guys are going to swim off the edge and reach this spot on the mat the river and 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 basically it's a race and then what what you have is just like because these guys are all skilled um like people who know what they're doing in terms of magic you can have all sorts of cool things where you can create basically like a, a sort of show where you have a bunch of obstacles and then um a path where the the audience like this wouldn't be circus per se it would be a lot harder to set up in terms of like the exact things in terms of like in world well that's a lot of planning that you need to do but it would be cool to see okay so you have these different spellcasters and see how they like deal with these different challenges and with all the relevant like oh shit i can't do this so uh, there, there was a trap there ah and then you just get you just see this um magic guy right who's like the, the f funny thing is that typically for these kinds of shows, you get all these like athletic dudes and it's like, okay, I can climb up that wall. I got these abs and these like like these uh, biceps that allow me to climb all the way up. And then this guy's like, your bitch, uh, fly me up magic bullshit. And then he flies up and it's like, as he reaches the top, it's like, okay, time to go. And it's like, oh shit, anti-magic felt this was a trap. <laughs> you know, that kind of Ooh. shit. Actually, anti-magic would be an interesting way to change it. Imagine if, like, the giant circus tent was just enchanted with an anti-magic field so that there would be no magic in a circus. And that could actually just be a different angle because in a high magic world, if you had an anti-magic circus, then it would just be the pure displays of skill, which could also just be a kind of oh, interesting different aspect. Like, could you imagine how much more impressed people would be by skill? Yeah, because skill it's, it's basically like 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 being like, okay, in this world, everyone takes drugs to become more powerful and stronger. It's like, okay, that's just normal, right? And then what you have is just like, but but I don't take the drugs and, and look at me. Wow. I'm so good at this. Yeah, someone who can just like act on an equal playing field without whatever boost is would be available. 
is something to be impressed by. So another thing, though, just part of the whole fun of a circus is the whole use of skill. And even taking magic back into account now, if you do allow more flexibility in magic in your world, there are some really cool things that you could do with that. So there are a series of cantrips available that allow you to, for all intents and purposes, control an element. So like mold earth, shape water, all of those. So I'll use shape water as the example one for this. So you can pretty much just shape water. It's kind of in the name there. But if you did just like allow a character to just be a little bit more flexible in how they're actually able to use that. Like, if you, anyone has ever gotten the chance to watch Avatar The Last Airbender, there are amazing examples of how awesome it can look to bend the elements to your will. So if you have a more flexible magic world, you could use those cantrips, or potentially even some of the stronger spells that do similar things, to just put on amazing shows. Like imagine if you did just have someone who is, for all intents and purposes, a waterbender, who's just able to make like tentacles of water to grab and throw things, you know, able to juggle without using their own hands to just toss things around through their control over water, or to just make all of these constructs of water, you know, similar to something like a green lantern even, to just have there be this just control limited only by your imagination. And the sheer amount of skill that would be involved in such a thing would be a wonder to behold. Behold? Hey, Nathan. <laughs> yes, Remy. <sighs> Beholders are explicitly an intelligent, sentient creature that often are also depicted as having more than a little bit of control issues. Imagine if you had a circus openly led by a beholder, because the sheer amount of power that a beholder has access to. The anti-magic cone central eye would give access to that if you did want to showcase the more skill aspect of things. The abilities a beholder has access to would actually fit really freaking well in a circus environment, and it is so very much a creature that most people in a D&D world don't exactly get to see and live. So if you had a capitalist beholder who is just interested in like the accumulation of wealth and power that leading a successful circus could grant them, that would be really freaking different than anything that you would typically see. And I'm definitely writing that down to just make such a thing for my own world because, hey, beholder, yay. So how would you actually incorporate the use of a circus or circuses into a D&D world. So there is a place that this would be um, more prominent in my world in particular, and that's Calcorn, because honestly, it's an oddity in Riftwake. It's the only place where it really deviates from the whole, um, well, uh, <laughs> mud and clouds in the sky, we're, we're all going to die kind of. Uh, view of the world it's more of a um we we are a bunch of showrunners and such this place is where people go to entertain themselves it's like the kind of place where it's like 
okay, we've done this year's harvest, um, and and we're pretty well to do farm. So we we have a long while before we have any other work or some bullshit like that. It's like, okay, where do we go over these few weeks? And it's like, why don't we go to Calcon for a couple of weeks to enjoy the activities there? It's like, why? That does sound pretty enjoyable. And so. When you have a place like that where you can go to for entertainment, what you have is basically a ton of options and lots of competition. And this basically results in the implementation being a lot more flashy and such. But one thing that you could do is say there's a lot of cheaper options in the general cities and such. Um, but the thing is that since it is in these less like prominent um, places or such things, you don't have the same kinds of acts as those in the um, more entertainment-focused locations. So that can give you certain options and certain considerations. For example, is the city known for certain things? For example, if it's known for magic and stuff, maybe the acts would be more magic-focused, and so on and so forth. Indeed. And just to throw out some brief numbers, speaking about the cost of circus that might be available, I do want to just give a brief refresher yet again on gold value because that is so very often misused. So as a reminder, a gold piece can generally be thought of as 100 US dollars. So if you are pricing an act at a circus, that just try to keep that in mind. So don't charge a hundred gold per ticket for entrance, because that would be like charging ten thousand dollars, which is just a little nuts. So if you had like a gold Remy, piece, that's reasonable. Are you telling me that you don't pay a ten like ten thousand dollars just to to go and watch a show in the movie, like the movie shows thing? Yes, I I watch movie shows <laughs> where there's no movie theaters open anymore. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that might be the cost if you do actually rent out an entire theater for yourself. Anyway, away from that sad topic because I'm a movie guy and I miss them. But anyway, seriously though, think in terms of a gold as a hundred. So like a cheap, you know, you know, new circus with not a whole lot of magic or cool things available could be just like a silver piece for a regular person, you know, 10 bucks a ticket for something just, yeah, there's stuff, you know, there's like five guys that can do some decent things and it's all right. So don't just be careful on how you charge for things. Always. That's just something that grinds my gears. Anyway, all that being said, there's also the idea of, well, actually let me backtrack a moment. Excuse me. I'm curious, Nathan, how much do you think circuses are mentioned in official 5th edition materials? Not at all. Wrong. Circuses uh. <laughs> are actually like canonically existing in 5th edition. There's actually a surprising number of mentions of them that I found when I was just prepping for the episode. So it's mentioned in the entertainer background that you could possibly have started at a circus. It's mentioned in the uh, Bard College of Swords that you might use your skill with blades to join like a circus troupe as a juggler. It's mentioned in the gladiator background that you might, you know, compete as an entertainer against a circus. There's a, an entire background called a uh, Rakdos cultist, which is actually a pretty interesting one. Uh, that one in particular is not in the normal book. I'm trying to remember. I think it was, oh, uh, that was from Ravnica. So you may or may not use any of that in your own world because that is the Magic the Gathering crossover. 
But Lactos is actually a pretty interesting being. So Rakdos is a demon, a really strong demon, actually. So his whole shtick is that he is a hedonist and just wants to enjoy his life. And that's kind of his shtick. So he is like the demon lord of circuses for all intents and purposes. So a lot of like the cult of Rakdos are circus performers. And there are like circuses and cults devoted to him just to entertain him. And that on the rare occasions where he does like personally attend a circus, imagine a circus that is so good, a fucking demon lord comes and attends the show. Like that's a interesting, for lack of a better word, thing to just imagine. Just the 30 foot tall colossal demon just in some just enormous throne on one side watching and uh you know how there's the you know classic joke on old cartoons where there would be like the shepherd's hook where someone who's not funny or not doing well gets yanked off stage are you familiar with that nathan vaguely okay well close enough so this guy kind of does that but with a scythe and just if someone is not entertaining enough, he just murders them. But what's funny about it is that his weapon is actually called the Curtain Call Scythe. And I find that to I... just be hilarious. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely curtains for that guy. But it's just a detail that I appreciate that the writer just did give his scythe such a name. That's just funny. But anyway... Regardless of whether you actually do make use of, you know, the cult of Rakdos, the idea of, you know, there being just powerful, evil hedonists in charge of a circus just creates a lot of potential for using circuses as a faction. Because many of the backgrounds, like I was talking about a moment ago, mention like ran away to the circus as part of the origin for a character. So having there be like prepared circuses makes connections to potential player characters that make use of that. So if you have like a handful, let's just say three circuses, you know, in your world that are just like maybe you got one that just is in some major city and just regularly puts on shows like whatever your Vegas equivalent is, they just live there and put on shows. And then you can have two competing traveling circuses and that creates factions which creates tension and entertainment for you and other people at the table making more use of factions is a hugely important useful and fun thing to do at a dungeons and dragons table and the fact that they're not used so often which is honestly just a bit surprising and disappointing to me because entertainer is a hugely common background to use for a bard and just a lot of characters in general, honestly. A lot of people just take the entertainer background just to get, you know, the proficiencies that that grants. So if you do have many entertainers, potentially, it makes sense to have circuses prepared in the world. In summary, circuses are historically a very popular form of entertainment and are a canonical part of the lore in D&D. So dungeon masters should make circuses in their worlds as a chance to broaden how magic can be used, how entertainment is done in your D&D world, and to just think of all the various things that can entertain the people in your world, the players at your table, and of course, yourself as a dungeon master. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Tier stars slow as a dollar and even that much really helps us out. Support us get benefits such as behind the scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord where we will chat with the cast and even a shout out on the show. Find us on social media on Twitter at Podcast, on Facebook as Riffwake, and on Reddit on the subreddit r slash Podcast. And now, send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffsandrules at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.